this morning I'm starting a new series from the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and um, my title for the whole of this series which will probably last about four messages the title is spiritual giftedness and the kingdom of God I've been told that actually it's quite cool to have very long titles so let me say it again spiritual giftedness and the kingdom of God and you can see straight away that I'm not going to focus on individual spiritual gifts not so much we'll touch on some of them uh, the basic main categories, apostles and prophets and uh, evangelists and pastors and teachers. We'll touch on them and show how that relates to your life, not just in the church, but in the marketplace. But what I want to focus on is giftedness itself, spiritual giftedness. How God has gifted every single one of us with a calling and with spiritual capacity to fulfill that calling, which God wants ultimately displayed in the marketplace, not just in church life, to demonstrate God's kingdom out there in the world outside. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, and I'm still delighted with it. I like the lively language. And uh, it is, of course, like any translation, it involves a degree of interpretation. So that's why you need to compare translation with translation. But let's go for it, Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 8. Paul is speaking as he's writing to the Ephesian believers and says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a, a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. So if my overall title is Spiritual Giftedness and the Kingdom of God, the title for today is this. The kingdom comes gift-wrapped. You know when you're doing shopping and I guess the seasonal occasion will come up very quickly on us for Christmas, you're going to do shopping. I wonder how many of you men, let's talk to the men, how many of you men, just when the lady says, uh, would you like this gift wrapped, you think, whew, yes please, because it's going to save me a lot of hassle. 
And, uh, but they seem to do it so very, very well. Never in all my years of gift wrapping, special gifts to members of my family, especially my wife, have I come up to that standard. However, it's rather nice to make an effort to go and get really high-quality gift wrapping, and soon the gift wrapping is more expensive than what's inside the gift, <laughs> but it looks so special. When you see a gift-wrapped thing, you think, that's a present. I mean, say, for example, you returned home, and, and there on the kitchen table was a new iPhone 6S. Yeah. And there it is, open, no packaging, just open. You would conclude, if it's your husband, you will conclude your husband has bought himself another mobile phone. If it's the wife, the husband might think, oh, there she is, she's getting all technological on me. Or if you're sharing a flat with somebody, you think somebody is, they should be paying the rent, not buying this kind of stuff. But suppose when you come back and you see that iPhone 6S all in its package, and not just, I mean, the, the Mac packaging is amazing, but you, it's, it's beautifully gift-wrapped. You will know that somebody is about to receive a blessing, and you might even hope that it's you. Gift-wrapping tells you straight away that it's a gift, and somebody's paid extra attention to get it ready for you. Now, the kingdom of heaven comes gift-wrapped. In other words, it's a gift. It's a gift. Everything in the kingdom comes as a gift. And everything is expressed by this Bible word for this, which, which we call, which, we, which is called charis, which is the word grace. And in it is the connotation of giftedness, giving people something which is not provoked by them, by their merit or by whatever they've done to earn it or deserve it, but it's there free. And the particular verse, which I'm going to use in this introductory message to launch into this topic, is verse 7. New Living Translation, verse 7, says, He, God, has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. We're going to see it in its context. That gift is not just for us to enjoy and to show off about, but it's, it is a gift that is given to us that we might serve others and in so doing bring in the kingdom of God. So it says, he's given each one of us a special gift. Now here's where the New Living Translation is being a little interpretive because the word there is grace. And uh, the other version says, but to each one of us, grace was given. So this is God's grace gift. He's given grace into our lives, but implied in this grace, charis, are the charismatic or charismata, the gifts of God's spirit and the gifts of God's enabling into our lives. So it all flows from God's grace, a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Then into the New King James Version again. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Very powerful and important verse. It tells us, in context, we'll see more about this next week, that every single one of us has been born, we're born with a calling. There is a purpose over our life. There's a destiny. And into the package,
package called you, God has placed all the gifts and grace necessary for you to fulfill that calling. Of course, there's a bit of a history here because for the most of us, we turned our back on that calling very early in life and, and, and we missed out on it until Christ rescued us and saved us by his grace and then reactivated his plan and purpose which he had from the beginning. And the clear verse for that is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 that says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Now in this series we're going to see how vital it is for you to discover who you are, what your gift is, and how to fulfill that gift, first of all, in serving your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, but even more important than that, that's just the learning place. The meeting place is the learning place for the marketplace. More important than ministering to one another, as vital as that is, is that having been ministered to and prepared, we can go out into the marketplace and demonstrate God's gifts and graces that are upon our lives right there in the marketplace. And this is very exciting to me because as I've been tracing out where I want this series to go, it's been a revelation to me how much God has given to us as believers. Not just for ourselves, not just so we can have big wonderful churches and, and all that, and, but, but also that we should be effective for God in the marketplace. And all the gifts that God gives us can be exercised out there. Not just here, out there. And that's the real destination of these gifts. And the spirit in which we minister is the servant-heartedness of Jesus himself. Let me just sketch this out for you now. I'm rushing a bit ahead of myself, but we'll get back to this. But as I've started, let me, let me go with this. Uh, let's put it this way. Okay, so you are a business person, all right? Or you might be a teacher, or you might be a, a medical person. So what is motivating you? What's going to motivate you in such a way that it will reveal Jesus through you? Is it the love of money? Well, we have need of money. Can I have an amen? Yes. There's a need of money, but we're not doing it for money. I mean, that's a very, very narrow way of living, and that's not very kingdom-orientated. Is that right? So what happens if, if we have this gift and, and the job that we're doing is, is, is demonstrating this gift and this gift is so amazing that, in other words, we just enjoy it so much. We're never more fully ourselves and we're exercising who we are and what God has given us. And we say, this, I've got something and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to impart something to you by way of serving you, of ministering to you, of making your life better. Don't tell me that a business founded on that kingdom principle will not flourish. Of course it will. Or even in education. Your, your motivation for standing up that bunch of school kids or whoever you're teaching, college students, and, and what you have is a real desire to take what you have, what you've learned, and impart it to them so that they can get good grades, they can improve in life, that they can be fulfilled and discover the passion that is on the inside of them. The whole motivation changes. This is kingdom theology. This is kingdom principle. Now, even the world has woken up to this. 
I could take you to some management books that take the name of Jesus out of it, but the principles remain the same. And what we're going to learn in the next four weeks can change your life and give you a direction and a sense of fulfillment that you'd never have without the understanding of spiritual giftedness in the kingdom of God. So the first point is this. The kingdom is a gift. All right. Very basic, but very true. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is the rule of God. It's centered around his person. And God, whatever else he is, is the most blessed being in the universe. Well, he's not even in the universe. The blessed being who brought the universe into existence. I mean, his blessedness is so exalted that you can't be in his presence without being blessed. Therefore, his very presence is a blessing. It is a gift. That's why the Bible teaches heaven is a free gift. It's not earned or deserved. And when his whole purpose is to manifest his presence, we, we, we experience the rewards of his blessedness, the wonderful personality of God, wonderful person of God. I'm sure you've all met people like that, people who are just kind of so full of energy and, and vibrancy and you just feel enervated in, in, the, in, in, their, in their presence. The rewards of fellowship and interaction at the human level with people that we know and love and enjoy is sometimes beyond description. Can you imagine when we talk about the generosity of the character of God? The generosity of spirit, which is God himself. Generosity of spirit is the, one of the highest expressions of true spirituality. That's why we have no place for mean religion. Have you noticed how mean religion can be? I'm not just criticizing other religions. When Christianity is turned into religion, it can be the most mean-spirited thing on this planet. Narrow-minded, small-minded. Some people are so narrow-minded they could look through a keyhole with both eyes at the same time. Sorry, sorry. Uh, That had to come out. Mean-spirited people presiding over religious systems which are rigorous and repressive. True religion, I'm not talking about the genes now, but true religion is generous. It's kind, it's gentle, it's accepting. But it's not all embracing, as if to say you can live however you want to live and still be in the kingdom. No, no, no. God's kingdom is a rule of righteousness and truth and authority. We surrender to his authority, but he is a generous God. The whole kingdom comes as a gift. We can't earn it or deserve it. Second point is this. The kingdom manifests through gift. The logic here is very simple. Sure, you can all trace it with me. How does the kingdom come? The kingdom comes in Jesus. Who is Jesus? God's gift. God so loved the world that he gave his son. The Bible describes him as the indescribable. The Bible describes him as the indescribable gift. That's a, a funny statement. 2 Corinthians 9:15 says, Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. 
The gift of Jesus, the gift of God, the gift of salvation, the gift of God's grace is how the kingdom happens. In other words, the kingdom only comes through gift. No other way. Well, um, if this was a kind of seminar, uh, I, I said, okay, we start with a blank sheet of paper. Everybody, a blank sheet of paper. A pen for everybody before I let you know what I'm talking about. And say to you, okay, write down ways in which the kingdom comes. Just from your understanding of scripture, your, your experience of God. Many of you would say the kingdom comes through the word. How many agree with that? God's kingdom comes through the word. There is a chapter and a verse for that. That is uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 13, and verse 9. And uh, that is the story, uh, verse 19. Matthew, chapter 13, verse 19. That's the story of the parable of the sower. Okay? The sower is sowing seed. And then Jesus interprets this, and he said, the seed is the word of the kingdom. In other words, when you receive the word of the kingdom, the kingdom comes in your life. Today, if you've not received the kingdom, you can receive the word of God as a seed, and you will be changed, and the kingdom will begin to manifest in your life. That's good teaching. That's good New Testament teaching. Another way people might say, well, yes, the kingdom comes by the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the kingdom. And where the Spirit of God is acting and moving, He brings the kingdom. And I agree with that, but we're not going to go down that line in this series. I'm going to come to the third way in which the kingdom comes, because I also believe it's one of the main ways. And I think I can demonstrate that in a moment. Anyway, the kingdom comes not just by the word or by the spirit. The kingdom comes by gift. 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 Giving. That's how the kingdom comes. We'd not have the kingdom if Jesus didn't give, if the Father didn't give Jesus. We'd not have the kingdom if Jesus didn't give his life. And every time you give, according to the gift of God in you, the kingdom manifests through your life. That's a strong revelation for this series. Now, let me demonstrate why this is a very good line of reasoning. And that is because when you read the Gospels and look at everything Jesus taught about, Jesus taught about the kingdom more than any other topic. That was his favorite topic. He was always teaching about the kingdom. Now, do you know what the second most popular or favorite topic of Jesus when you look through the New Testament? What's the topic he speaks about most except for the kingdom? What is that? Giving. Did you know that? Giving. Jesus speaks more about giving than any other topic except the kingdom of God. So these two top topics show me that the kingdom comes through giving. And every time we share what God has got given us with somebody else in the right spirit, in the right way, the kingdom comes. Thank God for that. He came as the gift of God and also he comes to manifest, through, manifest the kingdom through gifts. 
Now, the, the verse that we're talking about here, verse 7, Ephesians 4, verse 7, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. As I say, is the word grace, and uh, he is the gift of God. And the gift of God, the word gift there, means uh, somebody giving something without a cause. There's no cause. It's not a bribe. You're not trying to influence somebody. You're not trying to ingratiate yourself on somebody. It's just a gift that is given absolutely freely, not expecting anything in return. That's who Jesus is. He came. Now then, that gift of Jesus, which is the grace of God, along with that gift comes a whole bunch of other things. Put it this way. When you take the kingdom, it's gift-wrapped. And the first thing you do is unwrap that gift and you see something that comes out of that package. It's often things like forgiveness of sins. And you keep unwrapping and you keep taking out from this package and so much else flows from there. Love and joy and peace. So much assurance knowing that when you die, you don't have to worry about, oh, 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 where, where am I going? We had uh, Patrick Dixon here on Friday night ministering to the men. And uh, we're going to bring him back and do an evangelistic dinner with him. And everybody will be invited to that dinner. It'll be about bringing your friends to come to know Jesus. And Patrick Dixon talking about he started out his ministry, his gift was caring for people, and he started out his ministry as a physician, and he was working in terminal care, and so therefore he was with a lot of people, helping them uh, to die as, as pain-free as possibly from a medical point of view, and then he went on to HIV AIDS and began to help some of the first AIDS sufferers here in the United Kingdom, And he said, you know what, in the hospice, his words, not mine, I don't have this experience, I don't have the right to say this, I'm passing on his testimony, he says, in the hospice, there are no atheists. I was about taken by by that statement. The end of the day, the end of life, people discover that there's more to life than the hundred million cells that they're made of. There's something else that's happening. And this that I'm speaking about today corresponds with the deepest need and the deepest longing on the inside of you that is to be connected with God and to be useful in his hands. You see, being a Christian isn't about becoming a polished ornament. There you are, you're a trophy of grace. Holy Spirit, Colin looks amazing, a bit rusty, a bit dusty. Let's polish him up. I'm going to take him to heaven, put him on the mantelpiece forever and say, look at my grace. Yes, we are ornaments of God's grace. Yes, we are. But we're more than ornaments. We are instruments. God made us to be useful. God made us that we might have an impact on our world. Not according to our own ambitions, but according to his plan for our life and according to God's plan to reveal himself, his goodness and glory in this earth realm until the whole of the thing reaches its final climax and we will enter the kingdom of heaven forever and ever. So God has given to us grace and the grace in it are gifts, wonderful 
gifts, the multiplicity of gifts, all carrying the seeds of the kingdom. That's the gift, seeds of the kingdom. So when we take our gift and express it, seeds of the kingdom are sown in other people's lives. So the kingdom comes by our exercising our gifts. So let me just take an example. I won't bring the musicians back here. They're wonderful, talented, anointed musicians. I, I, I think I'm wonderful. I think I'm talented, but, my, but I'm not a musician, okay? And um, if I was to sing today, uh, uh, according to my non-gift, um, I don't think the kingdom will come. Uh, I think people will go. <laughs> but when somebody's called and gifted, and that gift is dedicated to God, the kingdom will come when they exercise it. You might be an organizer, and yet that gift of organization, uh, it, it may be boring for somebody, but it's going to be releasing to somebody else. And when you actually exercise that gift, because you know that's who you are, God has made you that way, God has gifted you that way, it is so natural that it seems entirely natural. In other words, not supernatural. But you discover that as you naturally go about sowing the seed of the kingdom of God that is put in you, the kingdom starts to come. It'll come in your office. It'll come in your classroom. It'll come in every area where you are. It'll come in your home as you use the gifts that God has given you to serve one another, first of all, in the house of God, and secondly, out there in the world. Amen. That to me is a, yeah, thank you. Give, give, give Jesus a praise. All right. Let me now show you from the scripture, from Jesus' example, how this works. So if you're, if you're following through, first thing I said, the kingdom comes as a gift. Secondly, the kingdom manifests through gift. And finally, my point is, therefore, every gift properly used and exercised is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. We've seen how the kingdom comes. Kingdom comes through the word, through the spirit, through surrender to the rule of God, but also through gifts. We've seen how the kingdom comes through the gift of Christ, the gift of salvation, God giving to us, but also in that he gives us gifts so we can continue the work of the kingdom, just as Jesus did. This is the story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a great, great man. His whole purpose, his whole gift, <laughs> I would like a gift like that, wouldn't you? His whole gift was to introduce people to Jesus, to point to Jesus. That was his gift, effectively. Not somebody shouting crazy down the street saying, repent, repent, you know, but effectively point to Jesus. Amen. Would you like a gift like that? Okay. <laughs> Not the first one, the second one. Okay. And um, anyway, when Jesus was manifested as the Messiah, something terrible happened to John. He was arrested and put into prison. He was about to lose his head. So he thought, oh, oh. Have I made a mistake? Okay, that's where we pick up the story. Matthew 11, verse 1. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about the things that Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? 
He was in a low spot. Can you imagine him at the beginning? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'd like to see an action replay of that. All right? Now he's saying, I'm in prison. I'm going to lose my life. Where is the kingdom? Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Or should we wait for somebody else? Now, listen carefully to Jesus' reply. Verse 4. Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The kingdom can be heard and seen. The blind see miracles. The the lame walk. The lepers are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Now, do you get the language here? Do you get the point that Jesus is making? Saying, you want to know if I am the Messiah? Well, if I am the king? Well, the kingdom is here. How do you know the kingdom is here? The signs of the kingdom are happening now. God's kingdom is a kingdom of power and freedom and salvation and deliverance. And the miracles that Jesus did were signs of the presence of the kingdom and signs of the presence of the king. So as Jesus exercised his ministry, as Jesus gave to the others what the Father first gave him, as he began to minister and exercise his gift, the kingdom came. So much so that he could point to the signs and say that's proof that the kingdom has come. Now in the same way, same principle, same kingdom, same policies, same principles of the same kingdom, when you exercise your gift to bless others, God is manifesting his kingdom through you. That's one of the reasons why Fabio and I were spending time developing an album. It is not a Christian band. You say, what am I? Listen, I'm creative. I'm an artist. I've got to do it. And it's not just doing it in church. I love it in church. But the world needs what we have. And you should see the influence that's coming simply by saying, I've even written some of the words to the song. And I tell you, those words are pretty good. They carry some pretty heavy meaning, man, I can tell you. And and also creating the musical style. And and Fabio's just exercising his gift. And I'm running around making notes and making sure the English language is correct, but I'm exercising my gift. And through this, the kingdom is coming. Maybe not directly into people's lives, but uh, people are coming into close contact with the kingdom as we go out in the world to be who we are and share with the world the gift that God has given us. Let's give Jesus a big praise. (laughs) Hallelujah! Glory in 
Oh 